You're listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. This podcast comes to you from our 2020 season. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to our first Black Architecture talk of the season. We've been running Black Architecture now for four years and I have to acknowledge that I would not be in this position if it was not for Annie Caroline because Annie Caroline introduced me to uh, the institution that is M Pavilion many, many years ago. And since then we've been able to build this talk series and make sure that we're furthering the conversation that we want to have as Indigenous people in the built environment. So our first talk today uh, is with Nawi, Carolyn, Dr. Briggs, AM, all the things, fabulous, wonderful Lots human. of ladies, labels, because we can. Well, I call you Gooker, so I'll call you Gooker. You, you stay with Gooker because yep. I can get it. Yeah. But that means we have a, 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 an unspoken relationship. Um, and the first, well, I guess the first talk of our series, the topic that we're going to go through today the headline of it is without engagement. So what can we do when we can't engage? Um, but in order for us to really have that conversation, there are a few things that we need to talk about first. And we, we just heard you give a beautiful welcome to country where you outlined the laws and values of your country, of Bunurong country. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about these laws and how you think they apply to architecture or the built environment. Well, as I was thinking about those laws, they're about memories and memories of what I spoke about in that we honour. It begins with honouring who went before us, who, who played out their beginnings of stories that they had a responsibility in our worldview. So it is about our worldview. And it wasn't in books. It's the lived experience. It's the growth, how you grow into these experiences. And then you try to make sense of it as you travel through. And when I travel around these cities, just like any other city around the world, we're the markers that we get embedded into our reminding us we're still here. Always was, always will be. So it's those mantras that reminds me of I can go, like I said, I can navigate most parts of the world because you've got a map. But my map is the unwritten map of deep memory. So how do we engage? I firstly get to understand the engagement of students in architecture. They've got, a, they've got principles that guides them about design elements, light, people, how it's going to meet the needs of diverse groups of people. But it's still big buildings. They're all around us today. I look out there through the park under this beautiful design element that was first in the M Pavilion. And one of the projects was in the M Pavilion. So... I always have to reflect back because it's about the lived experience and how do you teach young designers to think about their responsibility if they understand their guiding principles and, and everybody follows, the, adheres to those guiding principles 
all around the world, I believe, in design elements. But when do we challenge it? When do we take risks? And it's those risks. And what I talk about, how nature informs us, how the cosmology informs us, how everything around us informs us, but we need to learn to see. We need to hear stories. Become that child again and explore. Untap memories. And it's, I think, as human beings, we all carry memories of ancestral memories. So I always say to young people, look deep back into your own journeys of history and how your ancestors were informed, how they survived, how they continued on. So this is one way we do it because of it was an oral tradition, then we had to go into moving it into a, um, a lived experience through that memory and then somewhere we come out with a set of processes. So if I had to rely on how Western structure fits, I think I would have failed. But I challenged it. And I keep challenging it because I think not everything... There's What I would say, there's two ways of knowing. Neither's right or wrong, but at least you can navigate between that, between those worlds. It also then empowers you to, if you take the time to be introspective and understand where you come from, it then allows you to understand that somebody else also has a, a completely different worldview and understanding. So you can start to begin to respect the fact that there's more than one way of being and doing. I wonder, can you talk a little bit about your experience? I know that you've been engaged on a lot of architectural projects um, and you've taught a lot of architecture students, as you said. Can you talk a little bit about what a good engagement process has been for you? You don't have to talk about a specific project. but I what... can, <laughs> just recently. And I, I suddenly realised that the students had just witnessed Black Lives Matter. So their first being informed is what they saw and heard. <laughs> so the building was starting to be constructed with all these slogans <laughs> and activism. So I thought to myself, okay, we hear that. And then we went on stories. And then we went, and, and each time I met with them, they kept presenting new ways of how they heard my stories. And they used nature. I had one, they, they called it like the sugar bag, and I, suddenly I was the only one that knew what sugar bags were. And they're the little uh, native bees. And I thought, oh, they've really gone really deep with this. And, and how they imagined the sugar bags and how you, how you had to journey through this building, which I wanted to be like the new assembly. Because they're all saying we're not going into a Western system. Then I talked about the markers that are in our lands, about the trees, and how these trees remind us of a memory. The markers that are on those trees lead us off into different ways. Then I talked about the moonars, the shadows. And every time I run through these spaces throughout the city, 
I remember the shadows when I travel through the laneways here. I'm reminded. So the young people challenge themselves by putting up these shadows, <laughs> which the, you can see through and see past. So there is things changing, but you realise what information you have to present when you want. They're first year students, but they had a, a real sense of understanding. Probably, probably um, because they come from their own values. The young kids said they were apologetic because they said, we learnt nothing about history of First Peoples. So you gave us a, a small a snapshot that gave them an, an opportunity to design a building that has no memories of this structure. In fact, it was a tree, <laughs> which I thought was pretty amazing, and the branches out. And I thought, they took me on another journey of how they heard stories. So it's a beginning, and I, I congratulate them. They're the first years. They haven't been corrupted. <laughs> so this is my challenge to them. And there's new ways of design emerging, which I'm seeing on a regular basis. So I, it gives me hope. It gives me a challenge. It means I have to challenge myself in how I share those stories so that these young people go on a different journey path and will probably be great designers, you know, as long as we inform them, inform them about people and place and how these amazing structures can be challenged. You know, they're very similar to anywhere I go in the world. They're boxes. And that was the beauty if it wasn't boxes. It wasn't you go off here. You, you're sort of keeping a lens on everything and you've got these imagery of exploring it out from the sugar bags or wherever. That, what ha but they started to embed language with it, which was... So somebody read my book. So <laughs> I thought to myself, wow, if this is our first-year students, where, where does this lead us for the future? So it leads hope. Maybe there'll be new sort of structures on these... When these, how long's their lifetime on these lands? I've seen, I've watched them come and go. In the 70 years, I've seen them come and go. But I always remember where they were. And people say, how do you know that? Unless they're heritage buildings. So they keep that in their mind mm. because it must have had a solid foundation. But when I see the disturbance and restructuring buildings, it's still in another lens of yeah. Europe. Well, we tend to have... We've moved towards globalisation where we, we want, you know, our cities to be recognisable on a world stage. But actually, I think many Indigenous practitioners, and I know you and I have had this conversation, is that actually we, we could be celebrating what's unique about where we are, what makes this place special, what are, what are the nuances of the country that we're standing on right now that aren't the same 50 metres that way? How do we actually embed that in our architecture? 
it's supposedly it's about meaningful engagement, um, going back into their own memory lines that are back there, because designs have shaped our worlds today. I suppose these these things that have shaped our world today. <laughs> it's about going back into the memory, and we all carry a memory. Mm or DNA, if we have to put it in a scientific framework, mm. that we carried millennia of generations. Mm. I can only speak on my experience. Mm. And every now and again, something reveals itself and I got a memory back. Mm. Because I listened to stories, because we didn't have the privilege of a, an academic book or... And I think we understand that there was a mastery but it was never embedded into way they saw Indigenous peoples mm. and the mastery of navigating through their land mm. because it's an environment mm. you can navigate through. Mm. There's natural things that are, you navigate through. And now we've got to go down laneways and we go through buildings which only last for so, as long as the opportunities. I think it's challenging them about if someone came along and wanted to design, I think they need to think about where do they get their best assets from? Mm. Where's their cooling and heating? Mm. We didn't have a button that switched on, air conditioned for cool, air conditioned for warm. We had a way of being able to navigate places that would give us the same opportunities as what people can pay for today, and that's the quality of science, I suppose, what they use, but we had an understanding how our, our environment operated. Mm. So maybe they're the things we learn. If we've survived an ice age, that's pretty amazing. Mm. I often wonder, I also go in and wonder too. That's pretty amazing to navigate through a system that cut us off, mm. but survival. And I suppose stories and knowing how you navigate in the this unsculpt it was unsculptured in this system, but it was pretty sculptured in the way we had to live with connection to place. And I think about that with students. Go back in the recess of your mind, of your ancestors, and how they survived. I just saw a thing in England about the survival of people that come into the big cities and having to navigate through that. Some new knowledge and survived, navigated through that industrialization period mm. about economics. It's all about economics and capitalism. Yep. So it is about that challenge. Mm. And it was a fascinating journey. People had to rely on their knowledges to survive the next onslaught of change mm. from the pagan system. They even called them the natives of England. And I thought, Jeez, okay. that's progressive. <laughs> um, so, and the Romans come in and demonstrated another way of using roads. Mm. The, 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 um, the waters, the, all of these things that other cultures introduced. Mm that they've no benefit from because they could transition through place. Mm. So this is an unseen transitioning. Mm. 
they'll all look for the books, they'll all look for the answers. But I reckon there's a lot of creative energies out there mm. and maybe they've got to challenge the way they see their world mm. and challenge the way a society can operate because we switch a flick, light comes on, mm. we use up a lot of energy, we turn the gas on, we exploit all the natural resources mm. and then there's a problem. Mm. Then we've got to pay for it. We become consumers of an unreal world. It's a circular... Mm. In a good way. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to think about. Be go back to the beginning and come back around. Every culture, I was looking at someone doing a beautiful artwork. She was from... She was, uh, what's that? She was Muslim and her design element was pretty much on the circular so I could actually have a little bit of an understanding of the story that she sung into country. She had to remember all those symbols and where they fitted within her story. That's very similar to what I come across in diverse groups around this continent, you know, and everybody has a different story about place. Even my lecturer said I should have wrote it in Sanskrit, <laughs> should have wrote it in Arabic. I thought, God, this is really a challenge for me because I'd have to learn. Yeah. So I'd have to untap my resources and work with somebody that helped me bring that circular process back into play. I wonder, um, before we move on to a question about without engagement and what's appropriate or inappropriate, quite often there's a fine line between appropriate and appropriation. And um, usually, at least from my experience, that happens when we don't have engagement, but we are still using cultural knowledge. So if cultural knowledge is in play, but there was no engagement that happened, then that's appropriation. Right, and that is right. It's appropriation and we mm. see it everywhere. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, but through the lens of your understanding and your community's understanding of governance and cultural authority and how that structure actually works and how we as architects should be responding to that structure. It's Ask First. There is a structure called Ask First. And there's plenty. there are many people who can relay stories, but it's about authority, Western word, authority, but it's about what is your purpose for wanting to know I and um, why is it that you can take stories from another place and embed it on someone else's country. It is about laws and respect, you know. We look around this city we now know as Melbourne and design elements are very much everywhere. Where did they appropriate that? Someone started off and created a tall building. And then we got rounded buildings and then we got design elements embedded into it, but it's layers of a system that is to accommodate a lot of people. And I suppose, I suppose that comes from what we saw as the housing estates that they put poor people into. But these, these places are very similar. 
They designed it for the poor, but the imagery out there reminds us that it's for the poor, the disadvantaged. We put these in other parts of Melbourne and it's for a privilege. Gives you more windows. Gives you a design element that says, what's behind there? What's behind that whole making? So you'd make people what live in the housing estates a model of disadvantage. And yet this is another disadvantage because people that are coming into this country are used to this structured stratosphere that they now live in. And I'm trying to make sense of it because it wasn't something we lived. We had enough land that accommodated lots of families. It might have been poor, but we were rich in content. And I suppose what you're saying there is it, you know, how do you value people's, how do you value people? Everybody has a right to good health, well-being, understanding and appreciate that we all come with diversity. But in this lucky country, we have the right to that equality. They talk about equality, but I often wonder who's equality? How do they measure that quality? How do they measure ca capacity? How do they look at the land as a economic base that was once our, how we profited off it, how we hunted, how we gathered, how we lived, how we moved through it, how we allow it to rest, come back. These are all the things that I think architects need to think about. They call them holiday places now. I just thought it was normal, but then I was told but it created a deficit model on it. So is this answering your question or have I just deviated? <laughs> I think so. In some ways, yes. I think the, the question, I guess there's a constant conversation that happens within the Indigenous architecture conversation about respecting cultural authority and speaking to those that hold it as being the appropriate path for engagement. And this is obviously how we talk about it in a Western context in English. But I wonder, is there... Um, is that the same? Do people in communities no, feel the same? No, maybe because I, I've been dealing now with a, a different diverse young powerful minds out there and how they're trying to embed elements of the peoples on whose country they are now working on. And um, as long as they know that they've been instructed by it through authority and one of the things I've seen since we've been now experiencing our young cohort that have gone on and empowered their skills, that we can benefit from those skills and discuss and plan in a collective manner. And I think, I know that there's an individual design elements, but if Thinking about if we come from different areas, how do we embed other people's stories into place? We all have a commonality about land, waterways, our different trees that inform us. 
So there's always an element, but it's also about respecting the authority where you get it from. Mm. How do you author the information? Mm. It's about authoring, authorising and the com networking with you, who you've done it with so that it gives you a sense of the security that you have played out mm. the contract. It's a contract between each other. It's about how do you authenticate it, mm. that you, you come off, we all come off together mm. in that journey because it's no known owned mm. journey. Yeah, I guess it's like the academic version of that is um, Indigenous cultural intellectual property and acknowledging who that comes from and if you don't acknowledge it then that's a form of appropriation and so that's right and that's the difference I think we see it in art art makers and and we're not challenging the way we think about things because we're so structured and I think there is a shift and we've got to help move that shift because how many years of architecture is being played out across the world because it was dealing with a capitalism, it was dealing with removing the other and strengthening it but evidence is now proven to us because it's global and it's global economics but it's also about a pandemic and that people had to suddenly rechange their ways of doing. And I think maybe we had to stop and breathe and think about our impact on what we're doing as human beings. And sometimes it's good to go back and reflect and good how we can move forward too. There's always a partnership that goes on and it's a partnership of respect. It's a partnership of Lyulunj. It's a partnership of Warungi Bik. It's a partnership with communities. Sometimes we have to sit and humble ourselves to listen because people come from other countries in the world, probably had amazing design elements. They're uncovering it through architecture now and I'm going, wow, what's that telling us? They used earth. They used knowing how to tunnel through things. And they're unpacking all that now. It, it, it was because they moved people to an, a modern way of living and then suddenly things can go wrong. The environment can play back and then there's a, a collapse. That's like a, a collapse of society. And, and people, losses of people, humans. Well, I don't advocate for loss of life, but I do enjoy when country fights back after it's been suppressed for so long. That's one of my favourite She things. does. <laughs> she does because I think about it in Melbourne as much as they're capped all the waters because mm. they haven't taught people how to live with water. Mm. They've hidden it out of sight, out of mind, like the people. So that's, it's a metaphor, I think. And I said, why can't you untap it? Mm. At Mooney Mooney Ponds, mm. it's about uncapping it. Mm. We've sanitised everything mm. to fit. Why can't people enjoy the movement of waters? It doesn't run freely mm. as we think. Mm. 
the river runs freely now because the bay flows into it because they've yeah. destroyed that. Mm. So what it's done is made a, a freshwater to salinity, mm. you know, which is a big challenge for them now. Mm. So anything of I watch the waterways from Melbourne Uni and where it originates from and how it connects and it uh, eels you can track eels that way, mm. but it goes down Bouverie Street down into Elizabeth Street around into part of Queen Street, mm. you start to map out creeks and the way the system operated. And they're amazing little creatures themselves because mm. they have a zonar mm. that um, they do it in a, a affinity. Mm. They go back to where they're birthed, mm. die. Mm. And the children follow the same pattern. Mm. I think mutton bird or yola does that too. So we can learn from nature. Yeah. We just haven't... We I keep controlling nature to yeah. fit our needs and that's what nature does. Mm. She pays back. Mm. It's one of the um, conversations that's happening again in architecture at the moment, this idea that uh, we should be designing, you know, for example, landscapes as not as ornament but as habitat. Um, and we should be making sure that we're not just designing in a human-centred way. We should be designing for country and understanding how all of the systems work together so that it, country can breathe again. It needs to breathe. Trees talk to each other. And I notice these are a lot of Western Australians and a peppercorn. But that's all right. They grow fast and we're used to them now. But think of the habitats that little bugs are living in. Children love that. They want to know that Every living thing has a purpose and every living thing is about challenging nature or the environment to exist. And if that's the way we've got to do landscaping, is to think about the habitats for, for our bees to gather. We, we enjoy the resources of what the bees have to offer us. We share that resource with the bee through the pollen Everything is about that shared experience. And when those people talked about the sugar bags, I went, I never talked about the sugar bags, but they got it because it was very much about the native bees and their habitat because they go underground where all well, their habitat's underground. And old people would say, over there is the sugar bag, like that. And I go, oh, okay. Does that mean like truffles? <laughs> In my head, yeah. because they have pigs or dogs yeah, yeah. Y using that way of navigating to get those very expensive resources that are only for the well to do. Um, I might just we'll move on to our last question and then we'll wrap up so that you can go yeah. home and enjoy your evening. Um, Eat my chips. <laughs> But I just wanted to recap. So we've talked about the laws and values of country and I really encourage everyone to go back and listen to your welcome um, and actually take in what those value, like really listen to what and those And they can break are. them down because it, it is those structures that have guided my ancestors and then, and then it's only 53 years. God, my daughter's that old. It's 53 years of being counted, mm. not aliens on this amazing landscape. Yeah. That, And then they moved us in as the other. Mm. They marginalised as the other. They also created a phenotype. Mm. So if we break those codes, we don't exist. Mm. 
the laws that you lived under that was to, you were to leave this land, you weren't to be reminded, but the second one was if you're going to be here, we'll, we'll assimilate you. And that structure broke down. So even with their own structures, it challenged them. Now they have to come to terms with is this new face not maybe absent of colour? Maybe what is black and white though? It's a shading technique. Yeah. And and why did we feel like we're offended by something that they use as a tool against us? Is it their own insecurity? And I think it's those sort of things that Maybe the new generation are changing, mm. but we've got to give them quality of assurance that mm. they are part of this amazing matrix or tapestry mm. that make up the land that we all live in. Mm. And then they also all have responsibility to respect and work have, with country. Yeah, like when we go to other people's country, we have to get a passport, we have to get a, um, what is that thing? A visa. And we do in some parts of our continent too. We've got to have a visa or a pass to get into someone's country that we're not going to exploit. We have a, some sort of relationship in that un, unceded world is that we adhere to those regulations. Like I said, the law system, wherever we go, it's about listening to stories, valuing those stories, and how do we play with those stories and being playful, like habitats. It is a habitat and nature can inform us through those. Um, investigate how many little things are enjoying that violets over there. Yeah. They've all got a home. They've all got a home and perfumed. Mm. Um, so I guess we'll move to the last question and really the, the premise of this talk, which is what can people do when they actually can't undertake engagement with you or with other traditional owners? So, you know, we might think that this is about a, a single, uh, a couple designing a house for their family, but they want to make sure that they're working in alignment with the values of your country when they're building on your country. What can they do when they, can't, they don't have the opportunity to come and speak to you? How can they work with place? Maybe they need to understand what they honour in their own values and honour in, they talk about nature, they talk about the ecology, how do they embed that into their, the way they live? Um, it's nothing new, it's just thousands of generations of stories and like I, I think about is I reflect back how do I get the best? They're designers. They must have a skill, but also pay respect and find out whose lands they're on. Take a little bit time. It may not, some of it's written. We're now becoming academics. We're now writing papers. We're now asserting our authority. We're assisting you in your cultural capital of having the land. <laughs> But I think it's, you know, with all the humour aside, we do have whimsical moments. But it's also helping them to define 
what do they value about... We can talk about the ecology, we can talk about the trees, the birds, the ocean, the rivers, the lakes. Everything is a part of them as well. And how we breathe it, how we think about it. What, what are the ways we can get the best assets out for our fellow humans? And there's enough stuff that they can start navigating to find out whose country they're on. Just take a moment out and reflect. How would that, what resources they would have used? What was the best elements of people understanding law and structure? A child is taken out and given laws. How to behave, how to sit, how to listen, how to be creative, you know. So it's the same thing you're asking um, humans to untap these human qualities that we all carry, you know. And, and that's, I make an effort when I travel into someone's country to know who I'm talking to if I'm going to talk, sometimes it's about listening and waiting for the engagement. We're conditioned in this pretty modern city to speak up. But that's, that's the rule of engagement in these modern societies. But when you're in other people's country around this continent, you wait to be ad adhered to and acknowledge that you're in that that schema or that tapestry of their world because there's no right or wrong but it is about respecting that learn about the country you go to learn about who will help inform you maybe yourself will inform you yeah so in effect it's it's almost like we need to sit down learn whose country we're on but also where we come from and analyse both our own understanding and take the time to learn about the histories and celebrations of the country that we're actually residing on. As people live here permanently now, they're not visitors as they would have been under law. And they would have been shifting and sh sailing through and sailing past, mm. sharing. Um, they also, it was about uh, reciprocity. Mm. It was benefits of stone trading fishnet trading, somebody would have Pacific plants that would make the fishnets. Not everything was the same in everybody's lands, but there was a skill. Just thinking about Auntie Connie, who designed, watched her ancestors about watching and navigating and learning about creating these weavings for, for the eel traps. Just observation. It's about mimicking. It's about... And everybody wants to save money when they're building. So it's like that. Value management. It's value management. <laughs> it's about a different economy. Yeah. Re recycle. Maybe you see lots of things get pulled down. Where does it go? Plastic is now being T-shirts, I've noted. I said, oh, where'd you get that T-shirt the other day? Oh, that's plastic. It's been recycled. And I went... So, I mean, it's science. And if young people can make... I, I said, I hope it's breathable. Uh, you know, some sort of material that doesn't hold your body resources in that 
no, they showed me and I thought, wow, we're getting somewhere where we can use and recycle, get creative. That's why we have the investment through our kids going through a Western structure till we have our own one day and have the scientists and people like yourself, Sarah, that are going to look at investment of where people are doing and making. And maybe it takes it back to the primary source, but valuing that primary source, the first people's voice. Thank you for having this yarn with me today. Um, I like this yarn. Yeah, do one on our socially distanced chairs. They're very nice. Yeah, and I love the colours. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us and I really hope that everyone takes the time to go back and listen to your welcome and really play that through in their mind and feel what that actually means for them and their responsibilities for working on Yeah, they don't have to analyse it in an academic framework. No. Getting it back to their own mm. listening skills as it... Maybe that's what I say. We've all got our ch inner child in us mm. and we love to explore. So untap that because the child's still wanting to get out mm. and play. <laughs> like me, I play. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, and there's some amazing journeys that we're, I, I'm seeing today. I'm very fortunate living in the 21st century to see the changes. And I feel that I have a, a moment of impact on those changes. It's only a moment. As you should. As Thank I you. Should. Thank you so much. You're listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. This podcast comes to you from our 2020 season. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.